0: Do you wish you had a system which would stop you forgetting to do things, or simply make it easier to do those difficult things which you plan to do, but at the time just seem like too much effort? And do you worry that you spend far too much time and mental energy on trying to organise yourself, and wish that your good habits could just, well, become automatic? This week, I'm joined by Sheila Hobden. She's a Master Coach and Specialist in well-being for Doctors. We talk about the power of checklists and how one's life could be said to be made up entirely of all the small actions that we take and habits that we persist in. Sometimes we get frustrated with ourselves that even though we've set ourselves some worthy goals, when push comes to shove, the urgent stuff gets in the way and we're just too tired, or we simply forget to do the things that will get us to our goals. And Sheila gives us some great tips about how to work with your brain rather than against it to routinize your day which isn't as scary or depressing as it sounds, but will actually free up your brain to be creative and think about much more interesting stuff. So listen, if you want to find out more about the surprising power of checklists, how to make good habits stick, even when you've tried and failed in the past, and how giving yourself a range when it comes to setting goals and targets can reduce your guilt and turn failure into success. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for doctors and other busy professionals who want to beat burnout and work happier. I'm Dr. Rachel Morris. I'm a GP now working as a coach, speaker and specialist in teaching resilience. Even before the coronavirus crisis, we were facing unprecedented levels of burnout. We have been described as frogs in a pan of slowly boiling water. We hardly noticed the extra long days becoming the norm and have used to feeling stressed and exhausted. Let's face it, frogs generally only have two options, stay in the pan and be boiled alive, or jump out of the pan and leave. But you are not a frog, and that's where this podcast comes in. It is possible to craft your work and life so that you can thrive even in difficult circumstances. And if you're happier at work, you'll simply do a better job. This podcast, I'll be inviting you inside the minds of friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this, so that together we can take back control and love what we do again. Are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours? then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60 minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. It's fantastic to have with me back on the podcast, Sheila Hobden. Now, Sheila is a professional certified coach. She's got a background in HR and learning and development, and she specializes in working with people who work hard with others. So that's a lot of our listeners here, I think. So Sheila, it's brilliant to have you back. And now you're not just a, a coach, are you? You're like an uber
1: coach. <laughs> Elevated status. So yes, I am also um, a coach. supervising on the Need for Supervision at The Joyful Doctor. And also I'm a mentor coach. So supervision is keeping us safe and sane as coaches. And the mentor coaching is keeping us sharp. And then I also have a huge passion for wellbeing and resilience. And so I facilitate sessions that I have my own program and the MOT for you. And I also facilitate the Shapes program for you.
0: Yeah, so Sheila's one of our very wonderful Shapes trainers. And you've also been on the podcast before, haven't you? Talking about rest, I think it was. It was rest indeed, yes. So we've got Sheila back to share more of her wisdom. And this time, you thought it'd be really important
1: to talk about routine. Now, what makes you think it's important to talk about routine right now? So uh, when we were talking about doing an episode, it was coming towards the end of the summer holidays. And so you have that period of time off. And you know, even if you're working during that time, things change a little bit. The kids are off school or you know, people are on holiday. So things like meetings might not happen. So things sort of shift a bit and then come September and getting really into October, it starts to feel like actually we need to sort of get this routine back and underway because we need to, we've got to fit everything in again. So it felt like a good time to actually have a think about bringing routine back. I know, I think over the summer, yeah, my routine went completely out the window and I, I went to a bit angsty after the
0: summer holidays. Yeah, it's lovely to be off, it's lovely to have a break, but you do just want to get back into the normal rhythm, and frankly, I want the house back to myself. <laughs> I want everyone out of the house so I can get on with my my own routine. So, why is the, why is routine
1: actually quite helpful for us? What is it about our brains that make us love routine? So, the brain loves certainty when it knows what it's doing. It goes into what we kind of call competency mode. So that's when we can access our you know the thinking parts of the brain, the rational parts that we can make um clear decisions but when we're in that competency mode when we are following a routine when we're doing something we know we get into this state of flow you know releases some really great chemicals into our brain and we start to feel more relaxed because we know the brain gets that it gets what it's craving for in that thing of certainty so that's where routine is really helpful
0: Mm -hmm.
1: okay and is there any science linked to this so I love the model that David Rock has built—the Scarf model. So, Scarf stands for Status, Certainty, Autonomy, Relatedness, and Fairness. So, Certainty stands stands out quite clearly there. Autonomy—it's about choices and being able to, you know, be able to make responsible choices. And so, if you're doing something that you You need to do or you want to do, and you're choosing to do that. Then you're you're meeting that certainty state element of it. And then the other interesting thing is, so status is about our relationship and our meaning to other people, like in within social settings. And so, generally, we get into a routine because it's something we want to do because of who we are. So, by doing that routine, it it keeps us in that sort of status and having that meaning to other people in terms of who we are, in terms of serving them. And the model actually is designed as a leadership model to help people work out what other people might need in order to get through periods of change. And then, so then you think about when we go, when a change happens, our routine gets um, shifted a little bit, we start to feel uncomfortable. And this model looks at, we, according to each of those scarf components, the brain will have a threat, re- re- threat response or a reward response. So it talks about putting these things in place will drive the reward response, which helps the brain feel settled.
0: <laughs> right, okay, okay. So you feel settled if you're getting that, that reward. And also there's something for me about if you've got a routine, it means you're not going to forget things. And so, yeah, that, yeah. That is anxiety about dropping, dropping a ball, and I guess the more you're juggling, the better routine is I've, I've just done a course actually it's the Michael Hyatt free to focus course he's got a book as yep. a book which I, I find really really helpful but one of the bits was all about he said right you've got to now write down your morning routine and write down your evening routine so I thought all right okay get up clean my teeth put some moisturizer on put my contact I was like why am I writing this down and like take a pill with that and take this and that and uh, and and even in the evening, it was like, okay, well, I just do this every night. Okay, I'm currently going on a, snu- a slug and snail hunt in my garden because I'm trying to grow some flowers. And honestly, there's so many slugs, slug and snail hunts, put the cats into the kitchen, get a hot water bottle, do my teeth, get into bed, read for 20 minutes. And I thought, this is such a waste of time because this is what I do anyway. But actually, in the last few days, having written it down, I'm like, oh, I, I wrote it down and worked out how long it took. It actually takes about. Half an hour by the time I've got rid of all yeah. um, the snails. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm this. Okay, next is this. And it's almost like I feel, I feel much more ready for because I'm now doing this. I'm now doing this. And I've said, right, well, I'm only going to read my book for 20 minutes. Normally, I can get really hooked and I'm on there for a, about an hour and then I haven't put my light out because I've planned it. Even though it's what I was doing already, it's just, I don't know. It feels like there's a mental load of my brain.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. As you were talking, it's the brought to mind the book, The Checklist Manifesto, Atul Gawande, where essentially that is the book that said, you know, if you've got a checklist for things, it gets it out of your mind. It's on the paper and you just got to follow that through. And if I think about situations in my life where I've had to get things done, the checklist has been really, really vital. And so he's talking about not just assuming you know what to do in any given situation but actually if you've got all the stuff that you that's regular and you don't necessarily need to think about in a checklist it means that your brain is freer to spot the the incidental thing so so because he's coming from a surgeon um, he's a surgeon's perspective so if all of those things are ticked off then there's more capacity to spot things that may go wrong and catch them quicker because you're not trying to remember all the stuff you've got to do as a routine, anyway. So, just a couple of examples from my side. So, I did Ironman in 2017. Yeah, I know it's crazy. I got round, but I got round because I printed out, I made a training plan, and that training plan had every single thing I needed to do each day in order to meet that that need. And so, it wasn't just the cycles or swims. It was the making sure that I'd got the right sleep, making sure I'd got the right nutrition, making sure that I'd done all the stretching, and all of those things. Because to work full time and train for something like that. If, you do, if it isn't written down anywhere, it just, it doesn't happen. So I think that point about writing down your routine and also it does like, it, don't, it helps you identify exactly how long it takes you to do those things. So you can make sure you plan stuff and then that reduces the feeling of overwhelm when you think, I'm not going to get all this stuff done. So you, you're combining the power of routine and writing it by, by doing that. list. So it sounds brilliant. Yeah,
0: there is something, isn't there? About getting out of your prefrontal cortex. And we talk about this in the shapes course, don't we? That the, the prefrontal cortex can get very overwhelmed. Yeah, the prefrontal cortex is your rational human thinking brain, but you can literally only hold one thing there at once, just like the RAM of a computer. And if you're swapping between tasks a lot, then you're having to put one into short term memory, get another one out. And it's, it's I think that the evidence is that maybe you can maximum hold three things in your head at once, but not really anything more than that. And so if you can get it onto paper or a checklist, you know, you don't have to hold it there, but it's there. But I guess that does come with a caveat though. And I know that surgeons that I've spoken to have told me about this because Atul Gwanda, he created the, I the, the, can't remember what it's called now, the, the surgical checklist that you, that, that you go through. The name is completely It will come back to me halfway through this podcast. <laughs> but the problem is if you take it for granted that it's there, so it's done, that can be really dangerous. Oh yeah, we've done that checklist. So it's done. And then you actually haven't worked through it. And I, I found that with my daughter the other morning. So she's just started a new school. So she's 11. So when she goes to her new secondary school, she has to remember to take her lanyard, her phone with her because she's cycling on her own. She has to remember her Chromebook. She has to remember her games kit if it's games on that day. Sometimes she has a flute lesson. Sometimes she, she she's got to wear her blazer. So there's six things that we've actually also added Remember your brain to that list as well. <laughs> and as she was running out the door today, I was like, Have you done the checklist? Because she's a bit scatty. She's like, Yeah, 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 got it, got it. So, oh, your stupid checklist, Mum. But I called her back. I stood her in front of it and we went through it. And I was like, Where's your lanyard? Oh, it's in my bedroom. Up she goes to get it. So she was just like, No, I've done the checklist. And like, she actually hadn't done the checklist. So <laughs> the power checklist, if if you use them totally and it's getting and it's also getting a system of, of of storing it as well but um we sort of we sort of digress a bit don't we routine checklist all important now that's all very well and good but there's something about making these things automatic and, and turning them into a habit isn't there How how does habit and routine link together
1: yeah and so I think the work that I really like around this is James Clear, he's written a book called Atomic Habits. He's also got a fab newsletter actually, it's really, really quick and simple. And I think because once you make something a routine, it does become a habit and it starts to become something that you don't think about doing. So, so for example, if you want to do your exercise first thing in the morning and you set that up as your routine you can put other things in place that help it happen. So you can get your kit out the night before, you can decide what type of exercise it is that you're going to do and and have every single thing ready. Because the easier it is for you to do, the more likely it is that you're going to do it. And once you've got that routine into a habit, you don't even really think about, do I want to do this or don't I want to do this? Because your body just knows and it likes that certainty. It knows what's going to happen next. It just gets on with it without even really um, thinking. And again, because you're not thinking about and toying with, oh, should I do it? I don't really feel like it. You're freeing up more space again for that brain to do the thinking that you want it to do, rather than wasting it on thoughts about whether or not you want to do it. And I think what really stood out to me when I read that book was he talks about Outcome based goals and identity based goals. And so, for example, I keep using sport quite a bit, but if you set a goal that says, I want to run the London marathon, that's just recently gone. A lot of people will do that. And what a lot of people find is if they set a goal to run London marathon, they'll run London marathon and they never run again, or they might, but it's several months later. If you set a goal that says, I want to be a runner. And as part of that, you want to run a marathon you're more likely to continue to be a runner. And so you run every day because you are a runner. When you are working towards a goal, you're a slave to the plan to get to that point in time, and then you're kind of going to fit it. So there's some real value in having identity-based goals. or I like intentions actually, rather than goals, um, because goal seems to be a, a sort of hit or miss. Whereas an intention is, this is, I would, this is how I would like to be. It's what I'm going to aim for. But the other really great tip that James had in his book, if you want to start a new habit, if you want to get a new routine put in, it's really good to anchor it to something else. So for example, you're talking about your evening, um, your morning routine, uh, like a brush my teeth. If there was something else you wanted to do in the morning, like have a mindful minute or something, you can say, well, I'm going to do my mindful minute straight after I brush my teeth because you brush your teeth every day, you don't think about that. So you just hook it on to something else that you're already doing. And that is really powerful um, as well. So if you bring that and if we bring it into a work setting, um, if you wanted to sort of work towards this intention of like being an organized person, you might make a routine that says, on a Wednesday morning, I'm going to do all those invoices that I need, to, I need to process or I'm going to manage all of it. I'm going to work through my complaints at that particular time. And set yourself up for success as well. So make sure that, that that thing that you don't really want to do, make sure you're doing it at a time when you've got good energy for it. Make sure you've got good things around you. So if it's having a nice coffee, if it's having a quick walk before you do it, just make sure that you're set up for success in whatever that routine um, is. And so by saying, I'm right, I'm gonna do like horrible job <laughs> that I don't really want to do, but I'm gonna make sure that I've got my nice coffee and have a walk up before or have a walk afterwards so that it's all everything set up around it is enticing for you to actually do it. And once you've got that into a routine, you'll start getting up on a, a Wednesday morning and not even thinking about it. You'll just head into it and, and then the job's done before you've even thought about it, which is brilliant for things that you, you know, you're not really favourable I
0: love that. That combines uh, two concepts, really, this whole making it enticing. A few weeks ago, we had uh, Anna Dim and Cornick on. She's a time management coach and she has some really good tips for, um, for people about how to manage their admin time because, you know, when we talk about productivity and, and time management, particularly for professionals that, that are delivering a service as a day job, so say a GP doing a surgery, it can be quite difficult because you think, well, I've, you know, I'm beholden to the patients and, and when they come in, but you still have a bit of admin time that you need to organize. And she was talking about creating a routine for your admin time. So whenever you sit down to do your admin, you know that this is what I do first, and then I do this, and then I do this, and then I do this. So you don't have to think about, oh, I've got these things, what, what do I need to do? But you know that first of all, you're going to check your results, then you're going to do your referral letters, then you're going to do your Patient tasks, and then you're going to do um, something else. Or with what you said, when you've got the energy, do those really big things that you've been putting off, like that insurance report or, or something like that. Do that, do that first. But I love that what you said about make it enticing. So even better, if I know that when I sit down to do my admin, I'm going to make myself a really nice coffee and maybe have something that I really like to eat that suddenly then ties that thing that I don't really like doing make it easy by having a routine but then you've got this reward while she's doing it then that mm. that yeah if I had a really nice piece of cake every time I had to do my invoices that would be good <laughs> get really massive but you know <laughs> something healthy something healthy that you you want to do but I think it yeah. it just clears your brain making stuff automatic like like Michael Hyatt says if you can au- make things as automatic as much as possible then it's important and I guess what the stuff around habits so you've got the atomic habits you've also got the tiny habits book as well which is really helpful it's about making big
1: changes in your life but one tiny habit at a time yeah yeah it's that thing if you if you change course by by one percent each each day that you carry on that one percent you know if you think that you change it on a compass if you carry on on that one percent you will still make progress overall so it it doesn't have to be big it can use and whenever I'm working with anyone and they're looking at making changes and we'll kind of might, we might get to the end of a coaching session and someone's like right well I'm going to walk now seven days a week and I'm going to start going to the gym three times a week and I'm also just going to completely overhaul my diet and um, you kind of say right let's let's just scale back on this and think how realistic is it that all of these things are going to happen because if you don't do that seven days then you're going to st- potentially start beating yourself up about that. And then the other things are going to go out because you will so actually what's the smallest sh- step that you could make towards this thing that you want to do differently. And and that will lead to the bigger stuff because you'll feel the success sooner. And it's same with, you know, when I'm doing workplace coaching and people are uh, getting really frustrated about the way that things are happening and, and just wanting to just completely sort of withdraw from it all it's it's about thinking well where where's 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 my where are my easiest wins and what can i shift that i can do regularly build into my routine it's going to help me feel better about the work that i'm doing and the people that i'm so it might just be you know rather than i'm gonna
0: have an hour-long lunch break every day it might be better to say i'm gonna have a five minute coffee break where i leave my desk and i go and talk to somebody that's that's a good that's a good way of starting isn't it and, yeah
1: and building yeah. it building it up from there and ranges are really. And I I, I realized we've gone on slightly off topic again. But <laughs> we love going off. Please, a you or a frog it's fine. <laughs> um, something really useful when you're trying to make a change is having a range to work between. So, I, okay, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take a lunch break at least three times this week. My ideal is going to be five, but if I come in somewhere in the middle, I'm that's good. So then it is a three, four, or five. That's still that's good. Rather than saying I'm gonna I'm gonna do five. And then, because when you don't meet it, you just it comes back down again. So range is a really good um, for for that. Well, I love that
0: idea. I, I've had a really really busy week this week, and I, I normally like to exercise every day. But actually, I was thinking, oh, I've had such a failure of a week for exercise. But then it's actually no, I will I've done it three times this week. Yeah. And actually, that my my minimum is three. So actually, no, that's all right. That's been a success. Actually, it's much more motivating to then, then actually go and
1: go and do it. And I always say with that you've always done better than the person who's still laying on the couch (laughs) (laughs) I've often done better than my cat
0: (laughs) I don't know what my cat gets on to every every night they're very naughty yeah so I get this routine thing I get this habit thing some people like me really crave novelty and new things so if we are doing the same thing if we take all these routines is there a danger that we over-routinize our lives and it just gets really monotonous and boring. I get it, you're pushed for time and with over 200 episodes, how do you know which is going to be the one that lifts you out of the saucepan and back to thriving at work? Never fear, the You Are Not A Frog podcast quiz is here. Find out if you're a super squirrel, brilliant badger or mighty mole, and I'll send you a personalised playlist with the top five episodes that will make the biggest difference to you. Discover your top of the hops, top five episodes, sorry, and leap into your happiest thriving self again. Just go to
1: youarenotafrog.com slash quiz. So my view on this, because I'm the same actually, and when if you look at like, the Myers Briggs profile, I, I come out as a J, but I like to have the same. I like to have that. I want to be able to choose what I'm doing. I want to be. To, so I don't, I, I don't agree with that. But I think I've become so routinized over the way that I work, because Myers Briggs is normally done in a workplace setting, that that's how it comes out because I'm sort of in that. Like, but, but what I also notice is when I get to the weekend, if I don't have a plan, then I get really edgy because I don't know what I'm going to do with myself and I worry that I'm going to waste the day and so then I think I know I do I do need a plan I do need a plan and so I'm constantly swinging between the two but the most interesting piece of research that I have come across is the work of Viktor Frankl in his word in his book Man's Search for Meaning so I haven't heard of Victor. I'm sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure you have, but just listeners in case they haven't. He was a psychiatrist, Austrian psychiatrist in the um, German concentration camps as a prisoner. And he wrote his memoirs about what he learned about the people that were going to, he would be able to predict essentially if some of those prisoners were going to survive or not. And what he said is that it's what we're doing at any given moment in time that's important because overall, what we're doing in that one moment stacks up to become who we are as a person, and it links up to our you know bigger, wider purpose. And I think that's really, really helpful, because I think for a lot of people, when you say to them, "What's your purpose?" they feel like you've got to have this grand plan, this grand gesture, this world-changing purpose. But actually, your purpose is just to be a contented, happy, healthy person then actually those things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis, like brushing your teeth, keeping your teeth healthy, drinking plenty of water, getting to bed, getting your sleep, all of those little things are adding up to you as the whole person that you want to be. So that's where I think that the routine sort of doesn't get boring because it's who you are. And if you want to be someone different, then you change some of those routines. And that's what we're talking about, those, those small steps equally within that routine, you can still have a chunk of time that you say for in your routine, on a Saturday, I have a couple of hours and I choose what I want to do in that. I'd have to choose now. And then you can bring your joy and your play and I'll choose I'll choose then what I want to do, but it's still build, built into your um, routine. And it's also about being aware that if you choose to not follow your routine on a particular day, it's about identifying what the consequences of that might be. So to skip a, to skip um, your lunch might mean that you don't actually, you're not as productive as you want to be in the afternoon. If you skip that walk, you might not be as physically fit as you want to be. So it's just about thinking, weighing up, is this other thing I want to do instead of my routine? So I want to skip the lunch with friends because I want to go for a run. So that's going to give you your tick your healthy box, but it might not tick your social box. And it's just about think, weighing it up and deciding, how important those things are to you I think. Mm, mm, absolutely and I just love that concept that, that actually what
0: you do in life is built up of those tiny moments and it's built up of those habits that you've made and I think even if you do have this sort of grand purpose in life of building an orphanage or yeah doing that actually you, you can't get to do that unless you've got some time to do it and I have yeah. been very very struck recently about the link between time and generosity. Because for, for me, I think giving is really, really important. But the busier I get, the less able I am to give because I don't have time to even think about it or do it or give in terms of time or, or volunteering. And so, if by creating routines and habits, we are making things automatic so we don't need to think about it, it will then actually clear space in our diaries, but also in our brains to then do those things that are really really important to us because i'm sure even the nobel prize winners need to keep themselves fit and healthy and they need to brush their teeth right yeah okay. <laughs> that teeth will all fall out and they'll spend all the time with the dentist and then they won't be able to get on with that job of saving humanity will they so we all have to do it and it's it's for me I guess it's about, it's about choice. So I'm the opposite to you. You, you may have guessed that from working with me, Sheila. <laughs> I'm a yeah, Myers-Briggs P. i am a myers briggs I like to keep my options open. I often do things last minute. I'm sort of, I don't like getting bogged down to one, to one decision or, or one way I'm going to spend my time. But sometimes when you live like that, you've then got too many choices and it's really hard to decide what you're going to do in any given time. And that can become quite paralyzing. I remember just a silly example in our our last house when we wanted to make some internal changes and make it, you know, having gone from having tiny toddlers to having sort of older kids, we need to sort of remodel the house a bit. And someone recommended an interior designer who could look at stuff like that. And I tell you, she was worth every penny because instead of going to the shop and having to choose between a hundred different lights, what happened was she she worked out what I liked and then she'd give me two choices she'd go well I found these and these which ones do you like I'd be that one brilliant and we'd do it and it all looked great and oh my goodness that that's choice fatigue that we have and that's why we can feel so anxious in it we go into the supermarket you just want a tin of tomatoes and there's 20 different types well actually there's not any <laughs> we're talking in the Fuel shortage, HGV shortage, post Brexit. There's probably only two types left. But yeah, when there are twenty types you've got to choose from, it's like, which town on earth do I choose? And I guess that's what routine does. If I get to a Saturday afternoon and know that actually I'm I'm going to play tennis every Saturday afternoon, I've planned to do that. Oh gosh, the choice the choice is gone. It's just a lot easier. I can always choose not to do it and go and do something else. But it, yeah, I, I think it just the the less options we give ourselves, or so we've got to choose between stuff we don't really know what we want to do the best and that can just take the
1: mental load off really yeah i think it's and it's if you apply it to things like when people are trying to lose weight as well generally what happens with that is you do a meal plan for the week and you get all your food you get it all ready so that the choice is gone and you go to the fridge and you you eat the thing that you're planned to eat and and because it does come to when there's too many options we get over it Excited by the option that we're not supposed to have because you're always, you know, breaking the rules, and it just so it does. It takes it away. It takes away the need to go through that process, and so it does. It, it frees up brain capacity again.
0: Yeah, and and it does mean that you're making that hard decision when you have got the willpower there. Like you said, if you're um, preparing your snacks in advance, you're preparing them maybe in the morning where you've just had your breakfast. You're not hungry. You can put your snacks in there in the fridge or you take it to work with you so you know when you're really starving and this was so true for me when you know after a surgery you're absolutely starving you know you've got another two hours of work to do go into the kitchen if someone has brought in a cake there is no way on this earth that I'm walking past that cake
1: <laughs> but, and I, yeah yeah and it's because I in my car workshop I say if you finish one of your GP sessions really really late and you're on your way back and you need to get some fuel and you go to the fuel station and the diesel's there, you, your car's petrol, the diesel's there. You can't find the petrol and you're just like, oh, I'm too tired. I'm too tired to find the petrol. I'm just going to stick some diesel in. It'd be fine. Like We all know that diesel does not work in a petrol engine and we just would not do it. But yet yeah, we're quite happy to bung the cake into your body and then expect to still be able to perform in the same. And so it's like, why don't we search a little bit further? For the thing that we know is going to help us. And so then, yeah, if we've routinized, uh, that's a made it word, yeah. what we're going to have, then we get, there isn't a choice. We just we take that thing because that's the thing that we've, we've planned. And I think that comes back to if we do our planning when we're in our like competency mode and we're thinking rationally, thinking clearly, thinking about what we want to eat, it means that when we're in survival mode, so you've just finished that surgery, it's really stressful the decision isn't there so you just you just take what what is there so if you you're doing your planning for your future self <laughs> by making a routine out of things
0: yeah it's about being being kind to your future self yeah at the end of that surgery I know I'm going to want cake actually wouldn't it be better to have some carrot sticks and some hummus in the fridge so I can just grab it and and, and go and drink it so I mean we talked about food and weight loss and stuff like that but <laughs> what else can we do to help with work how how else can routine help with work and what other ideas have you got that people can use
1: routine to just ease the burden a bit at work i think one of the biggest killers is email (laughs) because we open our inbox and it sits open in the background and i mean personally i've turned all notifications off and actually i i don't turn it on until I've done at least one job. But what happens is you're trying to work away and then an email pops up, you go to look at that, you get distracted by something else. By the time you've realized you've been distracted, you've forgotten what you were actually doing. And I think it's like something like 23 minutes to to get back to what it was that you were doing. So in terms of a routine, if you can create a routine that says, yeah, I open my emails at a certain time and then I close it again. Imagine actually closing Outlook and then doing a job And then opening it so you've got specific times that you open and and look at your emails. And another one that we talk about in the Shapes Workshop is doing your your best work at your best time. So making sure that you're not trying to do a task that you really, really hate when you've just really got zero energy for it. Or if you get your most creative ideas first thing in the morning, then do the ideas work first thing uh, in the morning. And so... It's often worth. worth tracking over a week what you're doing, when you're doing it, and how much energy you're, you've got, how much um, energy you've got like at the start of it and at, the, and at the finish of it. A tool that I often recommend people to use is called the Mood Meter. It's an app by Mark Brackett, and you can track what mood you're in, and then it'll ask you about the situation that you're in, whether it's work or home, what's going on. And then it comes up with this button saying, do you want to stay in this mood or do you want to shift? And I think that shift button is just so powerful because the physical thing of re- realising, actually, I'm in control of how I'm feeling here, so I can, I'm going to choose to shift out of that mood. Um, or I'm going to choose to stay in it because, yeah, this is great. What happens when you press the shift button? Yeah, so it just comes up with some ideas and says, try this, try this. So you Try cake. Out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Read a nursing cake. Um, so it's it, then it summarizes it and it shows you how much on average you're spending in each of the quadrants because high pleasantness, no, low pleasantness, um, high energy, low energy. So it's really useful. Have you been using it recently as well with people who are thinking about, like, do I, what do I want to do in my career actually? And what do I want to do in my next role? And I said, use the me- mood meter because if you set an alarm to tell you to go on to it at certain points during the day, You can track what tasks are generating what mood in you, and then it just builds you a picture of, yeah, actually, I want to do more of this, or I want to do less of this because I'm always feeling really angry and anxious when I'm doing. So I think, again, I've gone off tangent a little bit, but it's about identifying what you do best when you're doing that so that you can map your routines. And it might be that you shift a few things around and you get the same work done in less time because you're doing it at the times that work better for you yeah that makes total
0: sense and that's something I I really have put into my routine I mean obviously it's difficult if you've got a a load of patients you've got to see it's 8 a.m but if if you do have a bit of a break when your computer goes on first thing do I guess I would say do your hardest work at the best time but I've really got into habit I've got into the routine of sitting down doing a sort of prayer meditation app and then using a journal, which is really helpful. Actually, actually tells you what to do. It's called the six minute success journal. And um, there's a bit of gratitude in there. There's a bit of prioritizing in there. There's a bit of habit tracking in there. It's really good. And then I will often prepare, prepare presentations, workshops, things like that. It'll be the first thing I do before I check email, before I do anything else. And when I'm doing that in the morning, when I'm fresh, I'm really loving it. I'm thinking, this is fantastic. I'm getting creative, getting ideas. It's much better. If I'm doing it at the end of a day, when I'm a bit time limited, it's just something I've got to do because the deadline's coming up. It feels like a total chore and it's probably not as good. So it's really interesting the way that work just changes depending on
1: what your energy is for it. Yeah, I think you're right. And I'm similar in that if I've got anything creative to do, I'm much better doing that first thing in the morning. And I think because your brain's fresh, you've just, had your sleep you, you're all re, you know you're rejuvenated and so it's a great time to, to do and, and as you say it's it's really good to do that before you start the other uh, more more routine stuff that there's easier to, to think about yeah yeah so we just
0: talked about routine routineizing which is the list I'm going to use now or adjective
1: yeah
0: which is the word I'm going
1: to use now what else have you got in terms of routinizing things at work so i think thinking about the why and the how of it so whatever task it is you want to do it's thinking about why you're doing it or what are the reasons that you're doing it for and also how you're going to do it and then essentially you're getting like emotionally and physically attached to this routine because sometimes when there's something that you just have to do if you haven't actually made sense of the rationale behind the re the, you know why you need to do it, it you haven't really bought into it and then also the how how are you going to do it because if there are different ways to do it and some ways are easier than others or some you feel more comfortable with than others once you marry those two things up so this is the reason I need to do it and this is how I'm going to do it to make it the most efficient for me those two things start to like hang together and you're more to, in, in, attached to it I think yeah, that that makes sense. So, in a minute, I'm going to ask you for your three top
0: tips because we're nearly we're nearly out of out of time. But is there anything
1: in terms of routine that's particularly worked for you? I th- I think the key thing is, um, well, there's, there's probably two things. So checklists. So for my personal health, as as you know, recently I was knocked off my bike by a car. and I suffered quite. Significant concussion over many months. And I looked up all the right foods to eat and I had some exercise from the physio and I needed to, I actually had to physically go and get into bed and go to sleep. And I made just a little tick sheet and I just, and I'm still doing it now. So I tick it to say that each time I've had a bottle of water, I tick it to say I've done my meditation, I tick it to say I've had a little walk, I tick it to say I've had my rest and then all, all my foods. And you can look at it and, and it just means that. I know that I'm doing the right things to help me recover, but also when I go to tick something, so I'll go to tick the water and I go, oh, I haven't had my vitamins today, so I'll, I'll take those now. So that, going back to the checklist, then reminds you. And that that was a follow-on from when I had time out from burnout and I was getting myself better. It was I knew the things that I needed to do, so I had the tick sheet then. And as I said, the Ironman, the training, so I was just ticking the... Because you you feel a sense of achievement when you're getting everything ticked off as well. So it, it helps, it, you don't have to remember what you need to do in your head. It reminds you of other things that you need to do and it clears you. You don't have to just carry it around with you and you get that sense of achievement. So I think there's a whole um, chunk of stuff there. And then for the work perspective, I would say that it's planning out the 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 week and chunking things up. So essentially batching so that I'm only processing my invoices on a, like a Monday afternoon. And then I'll do my follow-up calls with people on a Wednesday afternoon. And so chunking things up so I know what I'm doing on what day can be really helpful. Great. That's been really, really helpful, Sheila.
0: If you have quick three top tips to share with people around routine and habits and all that.
1: So I think it would be set your, once you've set your routine, Set your boundaries around it and s- stick to them. And if you are following a routine and something's no, not quite going right, I would say ask for help. Um, ask for help, like <laughs> if you can before you need it. This is, goes sort of wider than just routine. Really, it's more about um, h- how you are. In, in the workplace. And whenever I speak to anyone who's had any difficulties with their you know, mental wellness, the, me- the thing everybody says is, I wish I'd put my hand up sooner and asked for help. And I think the same. I, I soldiered on thinking, I don't want people to think I'm weak. So that would be my another tip there. And then the other one I'll finally add, and I've been using this phrase recently, is jive with your joy <laughs> as much as you ruminate on your rubbish. Because the brain is automatically going to the negative so frequently, we have to do more of the joy to balance it out. And we just, you know, we, we get a win. We, don't, we just don't celebrate enough. So, joy with your joy. Don't ruin it on your rubbish.
0: Love that. Love that, Sheila. That's fantastic. Oh, well, thank you so much. That, that's been really helpful. I'm going off to try and routinize my life now. I like it. I like it. So, if people want
1: to contact you, how can they contact you? So I'm bluegreencoaching.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, so you can email me directly. I think we'll add it into the show notes. Um, Sheila at bluegreencoaching.com. But yeah, LinkedIn, Twitter, all the social channels. Um, that's me. Lots of stuff, yeah. And
0: Sheila's one of our, our Shapes trainers. And I think you've been doing quite a lot of work with induction programs into primary care recently, haven't you? This is the n- new roles in primary care. What's that been about?
1: Yeah, it's been actually really, really great workshop. So it's yeah, people coming into primary care who are the, into these new roles. And so I mean when we talked about the scarf model, we talk about this in the in the workshop because when you come into a completely new role that nobody's ever done before, that is a complete change. There's so much uncertainty and you don't always have the choice because you don't really know what the choices are yet. So we've been running this, it's a two hour workshop and we work through some of the shapes, but what people are finding is that it normalizes how, how they're feeling and actually recognizing it's a normal, natural human state to feel that discomfort when we're in a period of high change. And so we use um, breakout rooms to, d- to discuss the different shapes, but people are coming away saying they feel um, more like they've got more options in terms of how they can get in control. And yeah, those workshops have just been the people that have been coming along to so have had social prescribers, we've had health and well-being coaches, the care coordinators, there's a whole, you know, all of these new roles and people are finding it really, really useful. So it's, it's, it's always a joy to do this stuff because when I left my sort of corporate role and I, and I said, I want to help people help themselves, so they don't get into, you know, difficult situations at work, to be able to do it for people, I just it just really makes me smile.
0: Yeah, so it's a fantastic session. I think you've had physios and paramedics and nurses there as yeah. well, oh, haven't
1: you? Yeah. All, all. I knew things. I'd missed someone off this.
0: <laughs> uh, well, there's there's so many there's so yeah. many new roles around, aren't there? And you know, I think we really need to be supporting these people because it's not it's not easy just mm. to go into a new, a new practice and, and and integrate. You need to be pretty proactive about about stuff and pretty, you know, resilient. I think so yeah brilliant. so yeah so if anyone's interested in, in in any of these workshops in in their area then do get in contact with us and we'd love to to come out and do that for you so anyway quick bit about what you've been doing so that's fantastic Julie. I have to get you back because there's so much more I want to talk to you about so thank you so much for being here and have a good rest of the day thank you and you bye bye